I would like to, to talk with you today from the imperative of love, a message uh, designed to show further what John is telling us in his epistle, the first, uh, first epistle of John. John is writing, and I've entitled this series, He Loves Us. And he loves us. Sometimes we feel unloved, but that's not true. That's a lie. As the song said, death is a lie. It's a lie. It's not, it's not what it was before Christ. So I want us to understand that he loves us. Sometimes whenever we preach these messages, it may seem like this message is something that dropped out of the sky. It's, it's not predicated, built upon on anything that's going on in your life. Actually, it's not built upon anything going on in your life, but it's built to affect things that are going on in your life. Amen. And whenever we speak of Christ, sometimes believers will say, I don't understand. Well, you have to sometimes keep listening until you understand. Sometimes it's not the words that cause us to understand, but it's the Spirit of God who causes us to understand. Sometimes we think that somebody's going to say it in a way, oh, I got it now. They may have affected your mental faculties more than your heart. And so now you have some, some mental understanding that does not really hold up under great pressure. You must have a heart understanding. I wanted uh, to read a, a bulletin message that I wrote uh, some time ago. I don't know when, but some time ago I wrote a bulletin message called The Imperative of Love. And this happens to be my subject today. I'll read the message and they have verses from Matthew 5, 43 through 46. And the second one, John 3, 16. Let us read. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? That's Matthew 5, 43 and 46. Love, when put into action, changes everything, even the whole world. Our love, when expressed in the light of Scripture, is a continuation of what God started when he sent his son to save us. The scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In this scripture, we see the outworking of God's love through Jesus, rescuing perishing humanity through his sacrificial death on the cross. Love is God's antidote that rescues perishing things and people by saving, healing, and delivering them. No situation is hopeless when love is introduced into it. This is why the love, this is why the Lord commands his disciples to love even enemies. It seems so difficult to love enemies, those who hate us, those who wish our destruction, but our Heavenly Father instructs us by both command and example to do so. Jesus and the Father are the model and strength of what is expected of us. On the cross, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. So God wants us to understand that, that the, the love that God is expecting of us is not love that we have to somehow work up, manufacture. It's, it's the love that God has already given to us. And we hear these kinds of things, and it seems a little sometimes cheesy, but it's so potent, so important. I'd like to read several scriptures from First uh, John chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. So he shows us how you can always determine who is of God and who is not. If you are, you're either of God or you're of the devil. There's no in-between. And so, so you can always know. Now, those of us who are saved, we came out of the devil's camp. So let's, let, let's don't you know, speak so crazily about those who are there. All right? We know that they are captives. We're freed people. All right? So let's look at it. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. This man is really black and white. When I was in university, uh, we talked a lot about the gray areas. You who are as old as I am remember that. Um, and we, we talked about the gray areas, and we talked about, oh, this is gray and this is gray. And actually, I developed a lot of gray areas in my secular education. I developed a lot of gray areas. I didn't have them growing up. Everything in the house was right or wrong, black and white. That's what it was, good or bad. That's how, how I was raised. But when I got to, to school, they said, no, there are gray areas. And I said, oh, yes, there are gray areas. But John is saying, no gray. And I, I love, I, I read recently, maybe about five years ago, some of St. Augustine's writings. And when I read them, I thought, God, this man is black and white. I mean, it's like there, there's no gray. Oh, there's no, nothing that allows for situational ethics. So, oh, it's all right to be mean in this case. It's all right to do wrong in that case. No, John says, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is he who does not love his brother. You don't love your brother? He said, you're not of God. And he, he doesn't allow me to have my personal commentary. You're not of God. And then he says in verse 11, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. This is the message you've heard from the beginning. Jesus preached that you should love one another, that you shall love one another, that you must love one another. Wow. Wow. And he says, not as Cain, or don't be as Cain, not as Cain was of the wicked, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. Now, why is John bringing this up? We'll find out later. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, 
and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. So, what I call this was, this, I said, this is emphatic. I like to use that word, emphatic. It means emphasis is placed on something. That something is forceful, it is strongly expressed, or it is stressed. So, if something that is emphatic means that we have emphasized it. We have put emphasis on it. We want to make sure that you don't miss it. So, this imperative of love is emphasized by John. It is indispensable. Give me, I have this cold and I'm dealing with it and I, I don't think I'm contagious, but uh, it's bothersome, you know. So forgive me for that. You know, we were just minding our own business. You know, we, weren't, we weren't bothering anybody. And then this thing grabbed us in Hong Kong. Brother Stan says he thinks it's, it snuck up on us in Singapore. It manifested itself in Hong Kong. But anyway, it, it has to go in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So John says in verse 10, In this the, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. And so what he wants us to understand is that there's no wiggle room here. If, if you don't love your brother, you're not of God. But he said, this is the message you have heard from the beginning. And he brings in Cain. He says, not as Cain. So what he's saying is Cain did not have love in his heart. Because why? He murdered his brother. And why did he murder his brother? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. John shows that loving one's brother, God's way, is not seen in the way that Cain treated his brother Abel. He's saying it's not seen. They are mutually exclusive. So there's no love in murder. So in 1 John chapter 2, uh, verses 9 through 11, 1 John 2, 9 through 11, he says that he is in, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness till now. He who is, who says he's in the light, I am a believer, I love God, I'm, gonna, I'm going to heaven, but I hate my brother. He says, no, you're in darkness even until right now. Amen. So what it, it means that God is not asking us to do something he has not equipped us with. He has equipped us with love. I, I've often told you, when I was in my mid-20s, how the Lord spoke to me one day and said, uh, he said, I, I want a people, he just, no, he didn't speak. I heard him say, hmm, I'd like a place where all of my children could worship me together. And I said, I'll do it, Lord. I don't know how. And he said, love everyone who comes through your doors. 
And what I did not, did not know at the time was that he spoke that into me. And so, what, so God is not telling us anything that he has not embedded in us. So if, 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 you, if you don't have money and, somebody give, and you're hungry, and you, you have nothing to eat, and somebody gives you a $100 bill and you're still hungry, it's your fault. Because you've been equipped with what is necessary to buy food. And so, so every believer has the ability to love. Even when you get tired of loving, you can get tired in your flesh, in your humanity, of loving. You can, you can think, this has gone too far. You know, and then there are people who will say, yeah, you have a right. Stand up for yourself. Stand up for yourself by loving. This is what God wants us to do, by loving. And, and even in marriage, I'm sure we have a number of marriages here. I am sure beyond any shadow of a doubt, that at times it gets tough. Now, I know that because I'm a pastor. Is that why I know that? I know that because I read it in a book. Sometimes it gets tough. If you tell me that every day is real, very, very easy, I won't believe you because you will lie about other things too. It gets tough. But the Lord says, your responsibility is to keep loving. And, and love is best seen when there are difficulties. If, if she never says anything wrong to you or snaps at you or you never, you know, sulk and don't communicate, then there's no, no real test to love. So God wants us to love each other. He says, but don't be like, like Cain who murdered and don't, don't hate your brother and think you're justified. And, and, and uh, John, uh, 1 John 2, uh, 10, he says, He who loves his brother abides in the light. And that means you remain there. You dwell there. This is where you are. You are in the light. And, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness. Wow. And walks in darkness and does not know where he is going. Why? Because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So he, he's showing us something that's very, very important. Sometimes I, I, I just have this feeling that, that we have allowed ourselves, I have a reality, but there's a feeling that we've allowed ourselves to believe a Christianity that's not really Christian. It's not Christ-like. It is secular. It, it, is, it is cultural, but not Christian. Standing up, God, stand up for yourself. God doesn't want anybody to be a doormat. No, he doesn't want you to be a doormat, but he wants you to take insult and injury. He wants you to do that. And there are people who say, well, no, I, I, he told me. Well, it wasn't the God that I serve who told you anything to the contrary. God doesn't contradict himself. Because love is the, is the key. It unlocks its doors. It can unlock a hard heart if you love. You can break down walls by loving God's way. In, um, in uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 13, he says, Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. Now, notice he's talking about love, murder, and hate. He says, Do not marvel, my brother, if the world hates you world the world hates you because the world's works are evil and god's children's works are righteous 
That's what he tells us by bringing in Cain and Abel. The world hates you because their works are evil and the children, God's children's works are righteous. That's why. Simple. Simple. Has nothing to do with you. Uh, verse 14 says, we know that we've passed from death to life because how? We love the brethren. So you can always tell whether or not you're in the faith. It's very simple. How do I know I'm saved? He says, you love the brethren. Uh, the brethren aren't always easy to love. Because in our humanity, in our flesh, we have all kinds of stuff going on. And God is working that out. God is working that out. God is working that out. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother, the scripture says, abides in death. He who does not love his brother abides in death. And what he's saying is, you still, if you don't have love for your brother, you're still there. Now, I am not saying, I am not saying that you are perfect in everything in your soul realm. You are working that out in your soul realm. But in your heart, in your core, you love them. You're just having maybe some challenges in practicing right now. All right? You're just having some challenges in practicing. We all have challenges in practicing, but we overcome the challenges. When somebody just kind of just catches you, you know, kind of at the wrong time, with the wrong word, with the wrong action, the wrong attitude, it catches you sometimes off guard. But I've, been, I've written a few things in my bulletin articles, and one of them I talked about the default position. I've not done it comprehensively or thoroughly, but I've talked about the default position. The, the, remember Jesus saying, the prince of this world comes, the ruler of this world comes, but he has nothing in me? What Jesus means by that is that his default position is the same as his conscious position. So what is in his subconscious is the same thing that is in his conscious mind. His conscious mind, his subconscious, all the same. And so I'm praying, Lord, make me that way. I want to be thoroughly so that you can slap me. And, and when I know the cameras are on me, I don't do anything. Right? If you stop me, I'm not doing anything. The camera's on me. All the saints of God are looking. I turn the other cheek. Yeah? But what, what if the cameras weren't on me? I want my position to be the same. Are you with me? John tells us, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So he says, so that's why he brings up Cain and Abel, is he, he is drawing a parallel between, between uh, the righteous and the unrighteous. He says, Cain murdered his brother. Why? Because his brother's works were righteous and his were not. His were evil. And he, then he, now John says, he who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. He says he is the same as Cain. I mean, this is tough. But we have to understand it. We have to lay hold of this. And, and don't walk out here today and make excuses. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I know, but. If somebody says that to you, say, but what? You're going to go to the altar? Huh? What do you mean, but? 
whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding. And what he's saying is, is that you cannot hate your brother, you cannot hate somebody who's different than you, you hate them for whatever the reason, you know, a lot of t- around the world, all around the world, there's a lot of strife, uh, culturally, nationally, you know, whatever, there's a lot of strife. When we travel the world, we travel to re- regions in Asia and Africa and Europe, and it doesn't matter where, there are a lot of ethnic problems, racial problems. There are a lot of ethnic problems. You don't see them, you think, oh, they're all the same. Well, they all look the same outside, but they all come from di- different ethnic groups. And some of them are maltreated just because they belong to that group. That's crazy. And saying that I have eternal life abiding in me. And I don't like that person for whom Christ died. It makes absolutely no sense. It's what I like to call nutty. That's nutty. As a fruitcake. So 1 John 4.20 says... If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a, what is that? A liar. Wow. John is very tough. Can y'all, would y'all like for John to pastor you for a while? If, any, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, is he telling the truth? No, he is a liar. Anybody here, you got any hatred in your heart, you ought to be getting rid of it. You know, get rid of it right now, you know. You know how sometimes you do things on the sneak, you know. You know, just, you know, get, you know, get rid of it. So God is giving us a new standard. And, uh, and, and, and it's called, and this, this new standard, this section I've called the outworking of love. And what, when, what does it mean? It means that, that love has an intended end. It has a purpose. It's to carry to conclusion. If you, the outworking of love is to carry love to its intended end, take it to conclusion. Or the outworking of love is what is worked out. This is what it looks like when it's worked out, all right? So verse 16, John says, by this we know love. Okay, what do you mean, John, by this we know love? Because he laid down his life for us. So we know love because of what Jesus did. What did he do? He laid down his life for us. He died for us. He gave himself for us. So by this we know love. He laid down his life for us. And conjunction, joining together. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. He died for us. And we also ought to die for one another. Wow. Whoa. John didn't stutter. John didn't stammer. He says, this is what God expects of each of us. Wow. Wow. What a contrast. Rather than taking a life, taking somebody's life by hatred, We're to give our lives for the brethren. Jesus is our highest example of this kind of love. He gave his life for us, and we were his enemies. Jesus is the highest example of this. He gave his life for us. 
while we were enemies. Now, now John makes this statement, and he moves, and, and, and let's say, he, of course, John didn't have a verse 17 there, but, but let's move to verse 17 to find out what John was saying. He says, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Notice, laying down one's life is the outworking of love. Laying down your life, dying. Now, at this point, we may not have an opportunity or have not had an opportunity to lay down our own life for someone. That is, to die, literally die for them. But we can do the above scripture. And how do we do it? How does the love of God abide in him, John asks. In what way does the love of God abide, is what that means. In what manner does the, work, the love of God abide? By what means does the love of God abide in that person's heart? Amen. One cannot walk out or live out the love of God despising the poor. It's a good example. So you can show the love that you have, the love of God, by the way you treat the poor. See, see, we like our advantages, don't we? We all, you know, we like our advantages. We like our advantages. I, li I like, you know, the fact that I fly a lot. You know, you know, during ministry, we fly a lot. We fly economy. We, we buy, we buy the, the, the economy tickets, and, and uh, we've we flown so much that sometimes we get a, a little bit better economy seat. Yeah, we get some leg room. But now that we fly economy, we, we, I, I'm now a priority. So I get to board the plane uh, right after the, the, the first class, the business class, the women and children. I mean, the children, people who have children. And I get to get on the plane. I should have loved that privilege. Because I get to put my bags right over my seat. I put my carry-ons right over my seat. You see, if I board late, somebody will come who's, who's way in the tail, will put their bags right there and walk back to the tail. And I come there, and I hate the fact that, that I'm disadvantaged now. <laughs> we love our advantages. We, we, we like laws passed so that we can keep our advantage. How does the love of God abide and dwell in that person. I remember Chuck Swindoll saying, he said once, he said, he said, when he gets to heaven, he's going to be surprised at who's there. He said, I'm going to be firstly surprised that I'm there. You see, we love our advantages. We like our privileges. Some of us will keep our privilege or our advantage by any means necessary. And we don't see anything wrong with it. We say, well, I earned that. So I, I love, you know, we traveled together. And I remember, you know, uh, one time I told you a story. We were traveling. And, and every place we went, somebody had a problem with me. And it just got to get on my nerves a little bit. Brother Stan said to me, hey, it's not personal thinking it's not personal because you're not going through it. 
it was it was personal to me but what what happened i was so glad he kept saying that because i realized i'm not too good to go through this i'm not too good to be rejected i'm not too good to be overly scrutinized i'm not too good for that but we love our advantages and I would dare say, there are those who are here, we so love our advantages, we would not mind unjust laws passed, being passed just so we could keep them. This is what John is talking about. He says, he talks about love. You see, I can't, I may not have the opportunity to die for you, but I can die to myself for you every day. I, I can see you having a need and, and help supply that need. I, I can see you in trouble and sorrow and comfort you. That's how we die to yourself. Have you noticed that whenever something goes on that's crazy, it's never at a convenient time? You know, somebody gets sick and it's 1 a.m. and they need you to come. You know, well, why couldn't they get, get sick at 5? You know, it's always at a... But that's all of God, I believe. He's testing us. This is real, and, and we, all, we all must do better. In verse 18, it says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And what John is saying is a lot of times our love is just lip service. I love you. Well, if you love me, you should give yourself for me. I think a lot of marriages could be healed if, if we did that both ways. You know, both ways, you know, you know, yes, I think the husband ought to lay down his life for his wife, his children. I saw my dad do it every day. I saw him do it every day. And I thought, I, can, I don't know if I can ever measure up to my dad. But I also saw my mom giving her life. They were, they, it was reciprocal. And so we have to be reciprocal. We can't just say, and, and ladies, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you do this. I, 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 honestly not. And uh, uh, I don't want to pick on the ladies. But you can't just do whatever you want to do, fly off the handle, be upset about everything. And then the moment, one time he does it, and it's bigger than Dallas. <laughs> you know, you can't do that. that that's, that's not the love of God. All right? All right? And, 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 and brothers, the love of God is not if she's smarter than you, you can admit it. You know, you don't have to try to make her not so smart so you'll feel like you're somebody. Just yield, all right? Don't just love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this, we know that we are of the truth. We know that we're of the truth when we can love in deed and in truth. When our outworking, our actions are loving. It says, and by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. And I don't want to just comment here. You know, if, if my heart condemns me, I can go to God based on what Jesus has done for me. If, if my heart, sometimes my conscience is so sensitive I don't know about you. Maybe I, the, the, I have to be, there must be somebody out here. You have this very sensitive thing. You, whatever you do, your heart just, just 
kills you like worms in your stomach or something. I, I suppose I've, I've not had worms in my stomach. But, <laughs> but, but you know, it, it's like bothers you. You can go to God based on what Jesus did. Based on, Father, this is what Jesus has done for me. Jesus has saved me. Jesus has brought me out of this. My heart is bothering me, but you are greater than my heart. You, you know, the finished work of Jesus testifies to something greater than my heart. Verse 21 says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And John is saying to us, if our heart does not condemn us, you have great confidence before God. Have you ever, have you ever been in prayer and uh, you really things are going well in your life you know that you've been living just like God wants and you can pray and you just believe. I know you heard me God in the name of Jesus let it be done amen hallelujah you know thank you God you know that's how you are you know but but if you've if you've not been living like you're sheepish you enter God Lord I forgive me for my sins and and, and I'm so sorry I did this and I did that and, and I know I'm not worthy Lord and you know, I just wonder if the Holy Spirit doesn't say, shut up. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, know, you, 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 have, you have no confidence toward God. You have no confidence toward God. But listen to what he says. But, we, but, but if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. If your heart does condemn you, go to God based on what Jesus has done. And whatever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Verse 23, my last one, says, and this is... Is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandments. Now, let us not fear that somebody might take advantage of us. I believe that we should love and live just as Jesus gave us command. Amen. We will be misused. We will be those of whom someone will take advantage. God will, God will take care of you if you live right. Someone will take advantage of you. But it's all right. It's really all right. Are you all right with that? Amen. Are you willing to love God's way? Amen. Amen. It's an imperative. It's an imperative. Uh, just just uh, briefly. Jesus says, he who is not with me is against me. Are you with him in this? He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. Are you a gatherer or a scatterer? I ask. And then Jesus says, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You cannot follow Jesus thinking about yourself. Just because you come to church, it doesn't nullify your selfishness. It says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So I'm not saying to you, that, that you who are saved, that if you don't love as I have just outlined, 
that you're going to lose your salvation. I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. But you will lose reward. You will lose greatly reward. Any loss, any loss in this area is an eternal loss. It's an eternal loss. Jesus says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. If I've spoken to you today, if this has spoken to you at all, if you're here today and you've had some challenges in this area, you can admit it. I admit that I've had challenges in this area. I've had challenges when I'm traveling and I'm overly frisked aggressively. I'm a man of God. I'm not a terrorist. I'm no threat. Sometimes I just say, God, how long? But I've determined I'm going to love regardless of what is done to me, against me. Because God is not holding me accountable for what people do to me, but he's holding me accountable for how I react, how I respond. So if you're having some challenges, I want to pray for you. But I want you to admit it. You know, just admit it like I've admitted it. You know, if you want me to just bless you quickly, you can just either raise your hand and put it right down. You can stand or whatever you want to do. But don't act like you're perfect in it. Don't conceal it. Because the church today, I've told you before that if, if I were an unbeliever today, if I were an unbeliever today, I know Don Lavelle, I'd have trouble coming to Jesus by what I see in the outward church, the visible church. I'd have trouble. It would be an obstacle to me because I don't see the love that the Bible teaches here. I hear venomous Christians saying things they ought never say, writing things they ought never write, having attitudes and positions that no Christian should have. And pastors are afraid to say it because we know we'll lose the opportunity to help you. Let's, let's get this thing right. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you and we say, forgive us our sins, the sin of being unloving, to having positions that Jesus would never take, having attitudes that he's never had. Lord, I pray that you would take away this quick judgment from us. Take away snap decisions and reactions that do not speak of love. I pray, Lord, that you would help us in the great name of Jesus to be all that you have made us to be. We love you, and we yield our lives to you. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks and praise. Help us, God. Amen. Amen. Are we good? Amen. Amen.